Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers you talk, deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. Always thrilled to have back on the program with us, Amos Giora. And uh, today we're going to talk about some of the challenges going on in Turkey and Syria after the devastating earthquake there. The death toll continues to mount. Upwards of 20,000 now uh, have perished, and uh, that number will continue to go up. Uh, I've exchanged texts with uh, Ambassador Jeff Flake, uh, who is the U.S. ambassador to Turkey, uh, and he just says it's 24-7, and the images on the screen just aren't even close to how horrific uh, the things are on the ground. And, uh, Amos, this is a region of the world that you understand really well, and uh, obviously this is going to be a significant challenge for a number of reasons, uh, including just the unrest in the region. Uh, but give us some perspective as as you watch this play out. To what are going to be some of those uh, big challenges in trying to help those people uh, and move things forward? Good morning. I, I think, first of all, on a basic human level, uh, we, first of all, don't know how many people are dead. Two, when dealing with an earthquake and what complicates it here is it's seriously cold and mm. weather weather is not helping see the infrastructure obviously in syria is not built for this and i and in this area of turkey i mean you can see it i mean it's utter and total devastation it's not turkey's first earthquake there was one in 1999 mm. but this is clearly awful and obviously the politicking is quick to come yeah and i would certainly hope that easy to say hard to implement that we can put the politics aside and focus on overwhelming humanitarian needs, uh, which is, easy, again, easy to say, yeah. hard to implement. Everybody needs to, you know, get their their two cents in. And I saw the Turkish opposition parties are now blaming the Turkish government for this. And I genuinely have no idea how the Syrian government, I think government in air quotes, not really a Syrian government, how they're going to deal with this. And then, it must be so, so devastating. The Syrians, directly, indirectly, is not important. Actually, reached out to Israel for assistance. Mm. That, that has never happened before. Wow! And you and I both know that there are so many distractions going on in the world here, there, and everywhere. That this quickly, this will no longer be front page news shortly. Yeah. But in, in the meantime, it's important to keep in mind there are over was it now twenty thousand deceased, and who knows how many still in the in the rubble. And I really don't know how you begin the process of rebuilding when the infrastructure poses significant challenges. Yeah, so and that's without even getting into getting into the, the geopolitics of the region, which, as we both know, is not exactly Switzerland. Yeah, it definitely is not Switzerland, and, and those challenges uh, are absolutely real. And then you add on to that uh, the fact that you've got some close to four million refugees that are in those surrounding areas and and they're they're like being on their third and fourth uh they're not even homes they're just versions of tent cities um so so describe for us and, and help us understand a little bit of the geopolitics in terms of how we navigate that i thought that was very interesting that they have reached out to israel uh as you said that's a that's a first uh but how else does this play out in the geopolitics of it uh, refugees and uh, all those things included so everybody has to score points right that's the essence of geopolitics there's a small war you may have heard going on between Russia and Ukraine. That's good. That's <laughs> also playing in, yeah. <laughs> Iran scoring points with Russia and Ukraine. Iran is, is, you know, the enemy of my enemy is the enemy of my enemy in, in, in the Middle East. 
ISIS is, is out there. The Turkish government is trying to, as always, curry favor with everyone and, and making friends with no one. Mm. Saudi Arabia, which at the moment on some days cozies up to Israel and other days doesn't, again, in the spirit of the enemy of my enemy, is my friend. And in the meantime, you know, Israel is, is undergoing significant, that's the polite word, internal challenges, yeah. that's a polite word. And then what always worries is that the, the graphics captured the imagination for, you know, what did Andy Warhol say? Two minutes of fame, ten minutes of fame, and then it dissipates. And there will obviously be point scoring because there will be blame throwing, and that's what worries here. And from the perspective of Syria, which Iran clearly sees itself as, as legitimately gaining a, a foothold in, in Syria, the Turkish-Syrian border, exactly as you say, is, what was your word, tent city or tent cities might be a better term. Yeah. How interested are the Europeans to come help when the Germans are obviously focused on Ukraine-Russia? And the world is distracted because of Ukraine-Russia, and the losers of that are the, the, the poor people in the rubble. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, uh, that's such an a important analysis uh, Amos, as, as we look at that, that we have such a short attention span these days uh, in terms of what, what we can focus on and what we need to do, uh, and that uh, that compassion, that instant humanity that I think we all feel as we watch those images, and, and we're still seeing uh, miracles uh, happen. Uh, even just this morning, we saw another few people uh, pulled out of the rubble 56 hours uh, after you know being under a 10-story building. Uh, and so there are uh, a few of those. Uh, obviously, hope is fleeting in terms of, of that part of the equation of, of finding people still alive in the rubble. Uh, but then the the next step is the hard one because it's the one where everyone does lose interest and goes back to the geopolitics that are happening globally and, and our inability to stay focused on, OK, how do we help this humanity uh, right here? I was describing to, to someone yesterday that, you know, just the just the refugees alone is more than the the state of Utah and Idaho combined uh, and imagine dealing with that. And then, and then with no infrastructure and, and uh, no one being able to really function uh, this, this just seems like it's going to be a, a space of a lot of human suffering uh, and sadly uh, politicians and people interested in power uh, leveraging that to their own interests. Uh, any paths around any of those pieces, any bright spots or any areas where you say, okay, here's here's something that could be a good that can come out of this round? Silence is golden. Um, I, 
you know, it's interesting. In the 1999 earthquake, I was serving at the time as the legal advisor to the Israel Defense Forces Home Front Command, and we have a unit um, that went off to Turkey, just like the same unit went off um, a few days ago to Turkey, the same yeah. unit. You ask any Israeli what he will remember from the 1999 earthquake, and the answer will be across the board. There's an iconic picture of the, the team doctor guy who I knew who um, he and his mates found and saved a, a little girl, actually. Mm. And it's an iconic picture of when he pulls, literally they're pulling her out of the rubble. And she was interviewed in the Israeli press this week about that. And I think that's what we will remember is that little six-year-old girl. Today she's a, she's a mom, she's married, she's got wow. three kids. But hang on. The reason that I reference that is it's one out of 20,000. That's right. what's so horrible here. Mm. Um, and especially in a place like Syria and or Turkey, where the, the infrastructure, the, 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 the foundation of the buildings is problematic. And we, by the way, we in Israel are very much aware of this. There's a constant discussion in Israel. Are we in Israel ready for an earthquake? And right. um, I think probably the answer is some areas yes, some areas no. You know, I remind all of us we had an earthquake here in Salt Lake three years ago, and that was not to demean, not to diminish it in any way, but it was a, not a, anything approaching to this, and right. ask people how traumatic that was. It's extremely traumatic, and we've fortunately here in Salt Lake, much like in Israel, we have totally different infrastructure and capabilities in, in, in Turkey and Syria, and I genuinely don't know where the aid will come from and how sustainable the aid is mm. when we will quickly turn our attention back to Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Uh. Well, great perspective, Amos, as always uh, in the region, what that looks like and feels like. And it is one of those moments where uh, we have to make sure our humanity uh, is not a nanosecond humanity, uh, but uh, an extended humanity uh, and making sure we're we're trying to help in the right ways to get the right resources uh, to the right people and places uh, that can actually help. Uh, great perspective. Uh, Amos Giora, always a pleasure to have you on the show and appreciate your perspective of this crucial part of the world and uh, a really a uh, tense and uh, difficult time over there in Turkey and Syria and the Middle East more broadly. Uh, Amos, thanks so much for joining us again today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, we will step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to dig into the fentanyl that's coming across the border, the southern border. Who's at fault? Who's to blame? What did the president say about it in the State of the Union? What did he get right? What did Republicans get wrong? We'll talk about it coming up next. Stick around. 